Hello and welcome back. I have a great guest today. Maria, how are you? Hello, Abe. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you so much for hosting such a cool event. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. I know we've been talking uh, for the last couple of months and you have a super cool idea that uh, I want you to talk about. So the floor is yours. Oh, thank you so much. Um, so for you guys that don't know me, my name is Maria Freitas. I'm uh, the co-founder and CEO of Umore. We're building an AI-based uh, mental health application that allows users to screen, track, measure, and even provides them insights on how to improve their own well-being. So our users are usually suffering from stress, anxiety, burnouts. Some do have more serious uh, conditions, but our goal is to offer a very light touch um, platform. I need to really explain, we are not telemedicine or meditation application, but rather a tracking tool for your mind. So think of it like Fitbit, but for your mind. Honestly, definitely needed, especially with what's happening, especially after the pandemic. People, you know, not having that human interaction. I, I remember when uh, I stumbled upon your virtual booth uh, to talk about that because this is a topic that I've been interested in. I haven't seen much being done. So kudos to you, so and your team. Um, so, so tell me, like, let's talk about your journey. Let's talk about, you know, what have you been doing? What I know you've had a startup before, and I know you've worked in some cool uh, companies, and you've worked in a unicorn. So tell me more about uh, tell me more about you. Well, of course. So I actually um, living here. I'm currently in Dubai, um, and I've been here for almost two years. And I came to Dubai to work for a startup called Kareem. Uh, for those of you who don't know them, it was at the time Uber's largest acquisition. But before working for Kareem, I was working in this um, very special place called Leo Pharma's Innovation Lab. And we had a sole mission to uh, invest, build, um, uh, and even nurture uh, startups that improve the lives of people living with chronic skin conditions. So it was very deep purpose, very much into we were using, doing AI diagnostics, we were doing telemedicine, everything you could imagine within um, the digital health space for skin and also some for mental health. So this is really where my passion for medtech came about because um, for those of you that don't know, medtech is actually one of the most underserviced digital um, uh, ecosystems. Uh, if we think e-commerce, very developed, mobility, very developed, but actually health, and this really came to light uh, during Corona, that we do have a massive shortfall in resources. And I have a deep passion for mental health. Uh, I believe that as a founder, if you also struggle with the same problems as your customers do as an individual, I'm not impervious to burnout or to struggling as well, because I think it is a part of life and we all encounter it. So I wanted to build something that could um, not only help me, but uh, millions of people feeling sometimes a little bit overwhelmed. You know, let's talk about you more right now. I, I think because I, I wanna ask about how did you, you know, how did you meet the founding team? Because I know most of you work remotely and you're all over the world, right? So what made all you guys come together? I'm, you know, cause uh, this is a big topic that a lot of people talk about. And did you share the same goal? Did you meet somewhere? Like, can you please explain that? That's a great question. We actually met at Techstars um, in 
uh, early 2020, um, we'd all come together because I guess like the rest of the world, we were feeling a little bit down. And I know us as founders, we have a very clear founder um, mission that is highly aligned. And this is actually a recommendation to everyone. If you're having a startup, make sure your founder missions are aligned. And if your founder mission is to become a billionaire, fantastic, but make sure that's what all founders want to. And uh, I think for mental health, it's the next space um, in health innovation. So we came together at Techstars for a hackathon for the NHS, the National Health Service in the United Kingdom. Um, and we, we actually won. <laughs> um, and then it started as a passion project, but as we started really becoming so committed to our vision, um, we were like, okay, let's, let's make this into a real company because we believe that we have something here that can really help people. You said something very key, which is values, right? Like you, you values need to be aligned and it's fine if everybody's value is to make a billion dollars. It's a hundred percent, you know, my secret sauce for my past startups were was find people that think like you and share your values yet cover your blind spots you know what i mean like let me give you an example i was never good at uh, legal uh, accounting finance i was never good with money so that's let's let's establish that because i i was the dreamer right and i i need always needed people who shared my values, but grounded me, right? So I said, no, no, this is what we need to build first. And now after, you know, my journey as an entrepreneur for the last almost 20 years, um, made me understand both sides. I don't ever regret what I've done either on either crazy sides, but, uh, but it's that. And finding the values, I think, is something that I, I keep talking about in every episode. It's not a Values are so important. People think it's just a poster on the wall, but it's not really a poster. It's what you believe. I, I agree because being a founder is so difficult. It is so, so hard. It, it is not all roses. You will have days where you are lost and you, you need to think like, why am I even doing this? Now, if you have a mission and you're fulfilling that mission, that is what's gonna drive you when you don't have a dime to your name and you're, you've maxed out all your credit cards and you're still running because it's what keeps you centered and it's what keeps you focused and it's what gives you that North Star. And we know for a fact that, so what is it? 70% of st startups fails because founders can't align. So there's this great exercise that I always have uh, my teams do it, even when it's not a founding team, if I'm just working, which is called the, the founder's dream. And when you know if what you're trying to get out of what you're doing is the same, you're positioned for success. Um, I always thought uh, money was always a mean uh, of the journey or like, you know, it's what the journey really translates to, but it was never the goal of anything that I wanted, right? So if everything's, you know, set and put aligned, money will come in, you know what I mean? If, you know, if you really want it to work and your team really believes in what you're doing, it will work. It may take a bit longer, may take a couple of trials uh, and pivots, uh, but it will come. So let's talk about pivots. You know, let's talk about your previous startup and uh, what things you think you've learned uh, from them that you do not want to read, obviously, and reintroduce into your new startup. And a lot of times, you know, Businesses fail, not because of anything. Sometimes there's no product market fit. There is no appetite for the product. 
co-founders and founders and team is a huge one and capital. But people think, you know, a lot of companies fail because of the lack of money. And I, I disagree with that. I think it would be the third rule in my opinion or third uh, reason, because I know a lot of companies with a lot of money that failed miserably. There were a couple of factors because I, I love looking. I know hindsight um, is something wonderful, but I really love assessing like why did stuff go wrong, um, and and I, I do take an approach of failing fast, so identifying things that aren't working and then trying to you know pivot. So my first startup, there were a series of the first one is founders. We as founders did not have a shared vision. That was a very critical thing. So something that I really learned, even though we were all really qualified. Uh, we had really good backgrounds. We ticked every single box as founders. We didn't have the shared founder dream. Mm. And that was a real uh, hindrance. Yep. Second was we weren't committed. And when I say committed is we were, we were doing it whilst we still had other jobs. I think it is so, so important as a founder, and I know this is easier said than done, you have to give 110%. You have to give your whole so blood, sweat, and tears. It is not a passive thing. And yes, you can start it passively, but you, if you are really gonna take it seriously, you need to quit, commit, and go for that. But we, we weren't aligned as founders. And that meant that our sense of direction wasn't crystal clear. It meant that our purpose wasn't there. And um, it, we ended up in circular arguments and in a situation that was, was quite um, energy draining because you need to have that that north star so we didn't have the north star and then we ended up taking too long to raise capital so by the time we were already at the phase where we were getting capital we were already so burnt out and we didn't have that mission and then our cto got a fantastic job to head up development for apple maps europe and uh, it if everything crumbled so so this was something i really learned that if you're not blood sweat and tears it's going to be very hard for you to keep going when times get tough. I, again, I have a saying to all the startups that come into our programs. This is a new baby. You need to give it the love, the time, the attention. This is, you know, starting a company the first couple of years, three years, it is hard work because you are doing everything. You know, you are the accountant. Uh, you got to be the marketing. You got to negotiate deals. I remember um, uh, I visited um, a couple of times the Bizzle when they were still in the villa. They were like living it up, you know, the, back in the days. This was, I think, 2007 or I can't remember. Um, and I, I've been working with them on a vendor side till around 2012. But I've seen them grow from people living on the couch uh, to like literally outside, doing something and there's tons of stories. Um, and then to this monster organization that they became. And, and still are. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they're still the leading uh, transactional platform for goods and services in this region. Yeah, and, and I think they, are, they did something right. But again, I can tell you as an ex debizzler you know, there was a lot of oops, you know, so, so, so this was a lot of these stories Again, so, you know, it's a baby. It's something that you put need to put, uh, you know, a lot of time, effort, and love into it. Um, and it's really, really hard, especially when people are addicted to a salary or, you know, you've been used to a salary and then you're working now twice as hard 
with almost nothing in return. And on top of that, a lot of noise around you saying, ah, it'll never work. Uh, come on, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. So it is, it is something very important. I, I love it how we're discussing, like I'd love to take up on a topic that you just mentioned. Sure. There's very little empathy for founders <laughs> and founders don't realize that until they get into it. There are some, some VCs that are, uh, and investors that are very nicer, but they are not friends at the end of the, the day. And there is extremely little founder empathy. So you as a founder, if you don't believe in yourself and what you're doing above everyone else, you will not succeed. You will have a no every day. <laughs> yeah. Every day, somebody's going to give you a no. <laughs> well, you know, I think the no part is something that I got used to. Um, in the beginning, I used to take personal <laughs> offense to it, but now I'll be like, let's move to the next one. You know what I mean? Like, uh, even like they would say a yes and I'd be like, are you saying a no? Like, I, I, like I'm not listening to this, right? Right. So it, it is true. And maybe one day I'll have a show about funny stories happening with investors because, but I, I, I'd be afraid that I'd be sued. But, uh, but there, I, oh, I, yes. I've had my share of funny stories. Some of them like, like genuinely oops moments, not, nothing like intentional or like it's just has, has happened, right? But uh, let's rewind like a couple of minutes and you said something that is key um, to me at least, which is purpose, you know? Um, like, can I ask you, what is your purpose or you more's purpose? So our, our BHAG, if you ask, so that's the well, big hairy I was gonna ask the next question after that, <laughs> so, okay. So, so our BHAG is, we really wanna measure the mind. We as a team believe that 10 years from now, you will be able to measure your mind as you do your weight. The technology is there, the principles are there, and the probability of figuring out uh, stress indicators are also there. And we can talk a little bit more about because it's, and the reason and why this hasn't happened before. But our purpose is we believe we want to make mental health care affordable and accessible because as of today, access to mental health care is a privilege. It is highly restrictive and it's prohibitively expensive, where independent of where you live in the world. Yeah. In the United Kingdom, which has the NHS, you can only get national mental health service if you're suicidal. And that is a little bit too late. Yeah. So uh, it is, uh, we, we think that uh, it is something that needs to be accessible for all. And right now it simply isn't. Um, but no, our, our BHAG is, we, we wanna measure the mind because um, we're just at the cusp of, of being able to do that you've got you know brain scanners and but on, also with your own data it's it's incredible what you can do actually no, that's uh, amazing you know what i mean like i was gonna ask you about the bhag and that is a very <laughs> ambitious bhag like every bhag should be honestly and sometimes founders um the bhag really drives them but sometimes also drives them to a dark place so <laughs> so just Hopefully with your humor app, that would correct itself by itself, right? So you'd get the enough support and you'd get the feedback from, uh, you know, from the community too. But and that is honestly, you know, uh, hats off to you. As you said, like, I, I really want to talk more about mental health as well. And this is something that, okay. uh, you know, other than accessibility, I think there's also, uh, I know in this region, it's very also a, it's such a taboo topic, you know, culturally, it's not very well accepted. Uh, stuff like that. So for me, so um, I'm, I, I love this region. I came here and I want to stay here because I think it's a wonderful place with amazing opportunities. 
and mental health is actually one of them. So what, what, what we are seeing, at least through the users that use our product, um, there is a huge challenge around language and mental health. So my co-founder Alejandro, he's done a wonderful TED talk on the language of mental health. And what we find in this region is there are very few words for individuals to describe in their native languages how they feel. Uh, because the vocabulary simply hasn't been developed. In the West, a little bit more, but still very reductive. And, and that's what essentially leads to stigma. Because traditionally, psychology was very binary. You're either sick or you're not. But it isn't binary. It's actually continuous. You, you, you have highs, you have lows. And it is those chronic lows that lead to problems. So actually, if you look at our product, we say that we're a stress management app. And the reason we say the word stress is because stress is the gateway problem. Chronic stress leads to anxiety. Chronic anxiety leads to depression. It's a step. It's incremental. And um, we, we believe that there is now a socially acceptable disclosure around stress. I, I do think people can go to their boss and say, hey, I'm a little bit burnt out. Can I, take, can I not have calls this weekend? I think that these are conversations people can actually have, which means that we're, doing, uh, we're taking steps. But um, I, I think that the biggest challenge, and not just for this region, but for the whole world, especially, especially for men, is the stigma of disclosure. And, and this is a problem because disclosure is the first step to recovery. The moment you admit to a situation, it is when you can take control of it. So, so I, I think um, the, the challenge really comes on disclosure, actually. I actually, um, I actually learned something new, which is thank you. <laughs> um, reading the room is one thing founders need to learn. And I, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I've worked with a company, uh, I founded a company called ZenHR and they had a sister company called Testella, which does testing um, and, and testing and we did EQ and emotional intelligence. I, I, I'm so dependent on this. Even now when I hire, I, I do send it out. I don't believe in testing because of a lot of reasons, but this one, I kind of gives me um, what kind of traits am I hiring, you know? Uh, do they know how to read the room, how self-conscious they are and stuff like that. And it is very important, especially, you know, in certain key positions when you're customer facing or investor facing or any of that, because you need to read the room. I, you know, I walk into a lot of investor meetings with a lot of my startups and they say, oh, this was a great meeting. I'm like, were you in the same meeting like as I was? Like the, the people need to do that. And I think and you need to read the room when you're losing somebody. Yes. This, I, I am, um, the amount of times I'm in a meeting and I can, boom, I see I've lost the person. And it's that, those five minutes that you have to recover and regain that situation. Otherwise they're lost forever. I, I agree with you, Abe. It's, it's, it really is critical. And, and, and you know what? Some people say, oh, you know what? The tech guys, I'm like, it's not only the tech guys. I've seen like marketing people lose people, you know? And the worst is when you have a sales guy lose people because usually sales, they're only selling that dream, right? So, and, and, and you know, I'm no pun intended about sales guys. I'm not a fan of sales, but as a founder, you need to sell yourself all the time, right? Uh, the, you know, the, you know uh, even the, when we were, talk, were talking to our startups, we talk about selling yourself, you know, give me your 10 second pitch, give me your 30 second pitch, give me your two minute pitch, give me your four minute pitch. And they, they need to assemble that. And then the smarter ones, not only that, they say, okay, we're pitching a telco investor. We, we spin this in a telco way that, you know, you find how uh, 
uh, people adjust through the emotional intelligence they got. Actually, uh, my team and I were, were pitching to somebody who's quite big tomorrow. So what are we doing tonight? We're sitting down as a team discussing, okay, what are the objections? One thing that we've learned, and this is iterative, we didn't get this overnight. There are certain objectives, objections we always get from certain people. So let's train through them. Okay, if we get this scenario, if they say this, how are we going to answer that? And we, we sit through and we really think it through because we've been in a situation where we lost the person and then recovery is, is almost impossible, actually. Yeah, and, and you know what? But you learn from these lessons. And I, oh, yeah. I want people to understand. I have one of my startups currently in our cohort. Got him a, like a huge meeting with one of the biggest banks in the region. And then halfway through, he knows he, he lost them. Instead of him trying to recover, he just walked out. And I'm like, oh, God. And like, now you're making me look bad too, right? Because I set up this whole meeting. He's like, I, I knew I couldn't get him back. And I'm like, no, just finish the meeting, you know, thank them and then just move on. It's fine. And it was, in all fairness, it's, it's his like second meeting uh, introducing this product. And I'm like, don't expect to get a win every single time you get ready for rejection like that's something like uh very very uh, a part of the game and that's why i said toughen up toughen your skin this is something that needs to be tackled i think so and, and needs what to i do when i've seen that i've lost somebody uh the before we leave i always try to do i'll, I'll actually put it on the table i'll say oh i can see that we're not a fit right now but I would love to hear from you. What would be your expectations for us in a few months or if we were to have this uh, chat again? And then I set myself those KPIs so that next time when I'm with that person, I made sure to address them. And they will actually see that progression in you and really be, oh, okay, they, they address the things that weren't there. So I always try to do that. You don't always have time, but um, yeah, you can yeah. sometimes salvage a bad situation like that. No, no, and you know, like again, you leave on a high note, regardless if there's no fit or nothing, you know. All right, so my last question before we close off. So I, I'm asking this question to everybody. If you have the chance to get one superpower, what would that be? Or who would you pick as a superhero? See, the thing is, I'm a big X-Men fan. Yeah. So <laughs> so and I've always I've always had a thing for like so I, I think Storm, for me, had the coolest superpower because you can make something out of anything. And that's what I've always wanted. But I know that's not what I should say as a founder, but that's what I've always wanted as a kid. That's, that's uh, crazy good because that's what you guys are trying as well. Like, but uh, that is a great, you know, so Storm. I, I love Storm. I always wanted because it's like, it's something like you get everything you want. So I was always a big fan. I don't know if you know about this, about me. Many years ago, I worked for the Lego group and Star Wars was my product. So I was like in my happy place. I was in my happy place. Oh, cool. Awesome. So the, he's actually run out of battery, but the lightsaber used to turn on. And this is my motivational. Wow. Darth. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. They don't, they don't do them anymore. They, yeah. No, no. Um, a, I think Lego is a super cool, innovative company. And B, honestly, I'd leave all CEO jobs that I've ever, whatever, done or pursued to be a builder in a Lego store, that stuff makes me happy. You know what I mean? Like I genuinely- You know, it's a, it's actually a job. They're called master builders. They're hired into uh, the HQ at Bilund. And uh, all they do is work on these amazing, gigantic creations. Uh, it's it's incredible. I think I'm gonna get a lost on effect and go there and just do that for a year. Well, Maria, it's been a pleasure. 
thank you very, very much for your time. Uh, I wish you the best uh, of success for you and you more. And uh, I'm really, really looking forward to hear great news about you guys and uh, what are you guys going to be up to? And uh, Abe, it's, it's always such an honor. I, I love chatting to you. I always, I always feel I walk away from our chats really enriched. So um, I hope uh, your audience will also get some value. So um, thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much. And stay tuned for the next one. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.